Welcome to the Hump Podcast. We're excited to join with you today. I'm Garrett, and we have Micah and Christian here, and we are going to be talking about Noah and the Flood, one of the great kids' stories that that plasters the walls of children's uh, ministry brooms everywhere. And uh, we're really excited to dive into this to this this narrative this this narrative from Genesis. Um, and so I hope you're excited to join with us today. Mike and Christian, how are you doing? Good. This is the earliest we've ever done the podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> and yes. by early, uh, not like 5.45, it's nah. only 8.45. Yeah, I mean, so. it's just like, it's, it's like 8.45, it's not that early, but but we normally Usually do we it. have a day of like work under our belt. Yeah, usually yeah. it's in the afternoon and kind of as the day's coming yeah. to a close. So we're not even warmed up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so who knows? I haven't even this, had my finished my coffee. This yet. may go off the rails. Who I mean, <laughs> who really knows what's going to happen here? Uh, Garrett, I'm probably going to spill my coffee. That's what's going to well, happen because you'll I, clean it up too. I so. spilled my coffee in my office once a month over Why? my planner. Why? Because I'll be reading something and not paying attention, and I'll reach my hand out to grab my coffee, and I knock it over. You should probably get like a table for your coffee. <gasps> coffee table. You should get a coffee table. Bro, That's what it is. You should invent that. Yeah, that would be lit. <laughs> um, see, like we said, it's it's only it's eight fifty, so we're, a, we're it's a little different race. here than two p.m. Um, yeah, it's funny you said that. It's uh, in the. I mean, he's already breaking stuff. Yeah, you said it was in nurseries everywhere, and. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. in our nursery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's just you see these murals. I we went to a church for um, uh, um, Superstart. It's a, a kids event. A couple of years ago, we went to it, and it was this massive church. And we went and looked at their children's wing, just kind of toured it, and they had this huge mural on the walls of of the of Noah's Ark and everything. And I was like, oh man, that's really cool. And then I got to thinking. You know, this was the biggest <laughs> mass <Murder>. death event <laughs> in history, and we're putting it on children's was, walls. Was this in Louisville? Yeah, it was Northeast the, mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah, a their churches. Y'all ever listen immaculate. to Tim Hawkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian, oh, I, I yeah. Think he makes fun of just like you know, like oh no, it's, it's yeah. Like he makes fun of children's stories, stories that yeah. that like or, or, brutal or, children. Or it's on the uh, what's the little. Um, the thing oh yeah, cribs. What Mo- is that mobile. A mobile. Yeah. yeah, you have it on the little mobiles, and the baby's looking at it, not realizing. Yeah, you're looking at it's it. like murder, murder, <laughs> death everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Noah's Ark is a great story. Uh, great, it's, sorry, sorry, great event. The first we'll eleven chapters of Genesis are some of my favorite chapters in in all of the Bible. It's crazy. Um, There's a lot that yeah, happens. <laughs> if when if depending on what I do with with my doctorate. I, um, whenever I get to that point, I'm debating on whether or not to study this, like the first 11 chapters of Genesis more deeply or to do something in Christology. But I love the first 11 chapters of Genesis. It's, mm-hmm. it's called, it, it classifies under, um, myth narrative. So the, the t- chapters 12 through what is, uh, 42, is there 42 chapters mm-hmm. in Genesis? 50, something, 50. 50. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't chapters, you know anything about yeah, the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> um, chapters 12 through 50, like the, through the end of Genesis, are it, it's a completely different style of writing. And I mean, it, it, it just shifts completely after chapter 11. And so chap, chapters 1 through 11 are almost like a side story to Genesis. It's a prequel to, the, to what comes after. Um, and especially within the first 10 chapters... Of Genesis, it's it takes place in what we call primeval history, meaning before mod before civilization today as we know it. And so, 
everything from chapter 12 onward is kind of, we can trace historically through um, archaeological findings, through data that we have stored up, we can trace that and understand kind of a, and, you know, we know about when Abraham lived. We have no idea. I mean, there's all kinds of different trains of thoughts. You know, there's some people that think that Noah lived tens of thousands of years ago. Some people think that he lived 5,000 years ago, but there's not really a consensus. This is when Noah lived. There is a consensus. This is where, when Abraham lived. Mm. Um, and so it, it, the first 11 chapters are, are called primeval history. And it, there's a lot of other cultures around the Mesopotamian area um, that, share flood narratives and share a lot of parts of the first 11 chapters of our Bible. Right. Um, so it's really cool. So Noah's Ark, stuff. right? Let's, uh, let's just kind of, let's give a little overview and then we'll kind of dive into it a little more specifically at certain spots. So Noah's Ark basically is it, well, not basically it takes place between Genesis chapter six and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those four chapters, you see the whole account, um, the flood all the way to the covenant of Noah and even into the, the sons of Noah and looking at their, uh, accounts. Um, but basically, God sees that the world is evil, um, and it says right in the beginning of chapter 6, um, they, they talk about the Nephilim, and then there's sin in the world, and, and um, the Lord saw in verse 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And so God knew and saw something had to be done. There had to be a, a fix, you know, kind of, and, and God really hit the, you, you know, on your router at home whenever it... Uh, struggling or like your computer or whatever you just have to reset it right god kind of yeah or kick it yeah (laughs) god did both he kicked and he he hit the hard reset button uh and so basically god calls noah he's like hey i need you to build this massive boat and you see in in there and in uh in the bible and in that in those accounts the specific requirements for that boat god is very specific uh the more i've read into some of these old testament stories the more i've seen how specific god's details usually are like he really is just like very, very descriptive. Well, think, we, think about what he, with the temple, when he right. told Solomon or told uh, Moses how to prepare the temple, he was the, tab- the, yeah, the tabernacle right. and then the temple. Right, right. He was, I mean, to, uh, to the to this the, is what to you got to do. Yeah. I mean, and, it, and it's pretty incredible. And I was, I got to preach last Sunday and, and looking even through some of these other stories, um, looking how he did, told Joshua how this is what you're going to do. He sent the angel to him and like, He's like, here is step-by-step step what you need to do. And so he's very descriptive with Noah. Says this is exactly how big you need to make the boat. And basically says, you build the boat, I'll worry about the rest, so to speak. You know, like I'll, you know, it's, it's going to happen, yeah. but I'll wait till you finish the boat yeah. in, a, in a sense. And he's like, just work hard and get it done and, and you'll float and live. You and your family <laughs> will live. Uh, and so he tells Noah pretty straight up, I'm going to flood the world and kill everything on it except you, your family, and um, two of each kind of animal. Uh, and so, you know, all that happens, the flood happens there that says the rain comes for the waters for 40 days. I believe it is constant. Um, you know, the verbiage brings to life some, some differences and beliefs and arguments, whether the water came from the ground or whether it came from the sky or both, um, doesn't really matter a whole lot to the story. Just matters. The world got flooded and it took about 40 days with continuous water flow. And then for, I think a hundred, uh, it was a total of 150 days before, the waters uh, either start. What was it, Garrett? Started receding, or until they were on dry land. Uh, I think it. One hundred and fifty days was the was the number. They were. They were um, we could probably look I it up, yeah. but but anyway, before Garrett will look that up for the, sure. The land, yeah. 
the the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Yeah, okay. So yeah. that kind of indicates that's before they were out of the boat. 150 yeah. days. They were yeah. in a boat for 150 days. So, um, and then they get off the boat, um, and then kind of the you know the reset of civilization begins. You know, when it rains here and, you know, we want to go play golf or something, uh, grass is, like, super wet and, like, just soggy. Mm. What would it have been like for 150 days? I mean, just mud pits for, like, months? That's what I'm thinking. Mud slides, mud pits. How? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how? I mean, the ground would have been so soaked, right? I, f- I feel like, yeah, as soon as you get off. Noah wasn't able to mow his lawn for weeks. <laughs> for, for years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, that's always, I think it's cool to think about. You know, after the flood, what did the earth look like? Like, how, how much did that actually terrain of the earth change? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there like, wouldn't be, tr- like, how would there even be trees? Yeah, wouldn't they have all been uprooted and just... Yeah, or like, uh, you know, with that much water, there had to be erosion in so many different places yeah. that the whole atmosphere and everything would just change on earth. Um, so I'll give give you an yeah. interesting... Um, or did God just hit, when it stopped, he just reset and just kind of like, well, like he, nothing he had happened. It. I mean, yeah. he could do he it, I wonder. I don't know. So, for about... The, we, we said the earth was flooded for 150 days. That's what um, Genesis 7, 24 says. Um, there's a, and for everyone that's listening, if you if you want to research more into Genesis chapters 1 through 11, there's a an author named Hugh Ross who wrote a book called Navigating Genesis. He's an astrophysicist that's also a pastor. And he's gone to seminary. Super smart guy. Clearly, and, astrophysicist. Yeah. <laughs> I can't spell that. So. Yeah, you can spell that. You know you're smart. <laughs> he's, he's the Christian Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, oh, he, uh, but Doesn't he said, have Disney Channel? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he says this about the flood. He says, in other words, for about 150 days, Earth would have been battered by the force of 42,000 consecutive magnitude 11 earthquakes. What in the world? So how Is that just because of the force of the water? or Because on of the force of the water wow. and the tsunamis and everything that yeah, would have yeah, been going yeah. because of the way the water was moving. So, so no, it didn't have a smooth ride. It wouldn't no. smooth sailing. Dude. And, and he, was, <laughs> he says that as he's talking about plate tectonics. He's talking about how all this water would have caused everything to shift around, and it would have yeah, caused clearly. the plates of the Earth to move. 42,000 earthquakes or whatever. Yeah, and so there's also other theories it, about how um, whether or not the the water that flooded the Earth, whether it was an abundance of water that hadn't existed on the Earth, and the Earth just didn't have anywhere to put it, or whether it was water that was already in the ocean, and the plates shifted first causing the water to find new places to go kind of like if you um if you have a a bottle with rocks in it and there's water in it and you shake it up and the rocks move and then the water has to find new places to go kind of kind of like that um and so there's different theories on on water bottle i don't know i'm trying to think of an (laughs) example to give (laughs) i just like walking around with walks it accents the water (laughs) (laughs) makes a band out of it uh so that's just a crazy thought that i mean the earth as we know it is not the same as it was when noah before the knew it before the flood right i mean the earth has completely shifted and changed since then because of the flood so I'm a poor Christian, right? We uh, oh, let's hear it. Let's let's shift to you know we've looked at kind of the some of the we might talk more about it in a little while, but some of the scientific stuff behind it. Let's shift to the spiritual side of it. Let's mm-hmm. look at the the planning of God and, and and the reasoning for it and the response of Noah and all those things. Um, and you really see an immediate surrender um, to to the plan. Uh, I preached this weekend again. It was like God's plan was kind of what what the uh, 
um, idea was and that God's plan is always going to win. And, and no matter what our plan looks like, God's plan is going to happen, whether they coincide or not. Uh, and, you know, in Evan Almighty, there is some uh, pushback, right? There's a consistent, like, um, Steve, Steve Carell. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of he fights he kind of fights it, you know, and, and God is appearing to him, and then the beard grows, and he shaves it, and it grows yeah. back, you know. It's, there's some pushback, but we really, we see really an immediate surrender from Noah. Like, we don't, and there may have been that pushback. We don't, we don't really get that, but basically it just says, like, and Noah started building the ark. You know, like, it was just an immediate, like, it also calls Noah blameless and, and, and righteous. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say, yeah, he, Noah was blameless right. and righteous. You know, he he knew God and he right. followed God, which was why he him and his family were saved. So, yeah, uh, for sure. Think, and I, it says also that uh, it says Noah walked faithfully with God, and just you yeah. know that picture of, of Noah walking with, with with God, not not so much like literally, but like spiritually, he he walked with God and did the things that. Mm. And if you uh, think God about it, any time that that phrase is used, someone walks with God. It it's a it's a way to set apart that person. I mean, yeah. it was yeah. Enoch was used for that phrase. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Elijah and Moses were using that phrase. That's actually our Bible study last night yeah. with the students. Um, we did small groups, and that was our main. We're talking about godliness mm-hmm. and looking at godliness, and Enoch was the example that he walked with God and he pleased God. Those are the two and things. And then God took him away. Him. Yep, and then he didn't have to die. Yeah. Uh, like you it. almost see with Noah as well. Like He didn't have to die in that moment because right. yeah, yeah, he yeah. walked with God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same for us spiritually, you know, and, I think further on. And I would have to study the Hebrew a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure that phrase really kind of denotes just a, a, a understanding of God that no one else has. Mm-hmm. Like, meaning he he basically, you know, Adam walked with God in the garden. Physically. Yeah. And physically, and he understood God because of how he walked with God. And that phrase is used all throughout the Hebrew scriptures to kind of denote someone that knows God better than other people do. And and we see that, you know, obviously Noah knew God. He was blameless, righteous, he walked with God, and the rest of the earth had completely abandoned God. Mm. Um, which is really interesting to me because if there is ever a time in the world for everyone to get behind a singular God, to get behind, you know, one religion, it would have been this time because this was before other civiliz there's Probably only one civilization at the time. The Tower of Babel incident hadn't happened yet, so it was all one language, which meant you would assume that if, if it was all one civilization, there was probably one religion. Um, but people had obviously fallen pretty hard and were focused on themselves more than than anything else. And that's it, it, it's a testament to Noah's character that he was away from the crowd by choosing to stay with God, instead of conforming to the civilization that was there. And um, yeah. and he gives them all these specific instructions, right, and, and cubits, you know, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, and of course I have the NIV, so they've translated it for me. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and this is how each room needs to be, and, and, yada, and in like two specific instructions, and I love at the end of chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And we get further proof that Noah... Like you, like you were saying, Christian, walked with God and, and truly just followed God and did exactly what God um, told him to do. And so we see the flood. The whole world is is wiped of life. All life dies on earth except what is in that boat. Um, and it's really kind of crazy when you're looking at this. You know, it kind of, I think, to um, someone maybe struggling with their faith or that is working through some things and or to someone outside the faith, it would really kind of beg the question of like, why would a why would God do this? Yeah. 
You know, it really would beg the question of like, whoa, whoa, you guys worship this God and he just like wiped the earth clean yeah, like, of like life? Your God mm-hmm. is a serial killer. Like, yeah, that, like, wait, why did you, people... yeah, yeah, well, I mean, why couldn't he have just made them better? You know, like he didn't have to kill them all, he could have just fixed yeah. it. And people miss that, that there was a reason that death had to be involved mm-hmm. and, and because there's a price for sin and, and I think people that, that are outside the faith, they look at it and they say, I would never want to serve a God yeah. who would do such a thing, but they miss the point that God is God. Uh, and as oh. God, he has, being the most powerful being in the entire universe, he has set uh, regulations, he has set things for us in, in place to follow, and if we don't follow the things that he has for us, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we know that, and I think people... They look at God and they say, oh, he's just a serial killer. Like, I would never serve someone that would just kill humanity. He's just evil. Uh, but but there is a price. Uh, there is a price for well, sin. But there's also redemption that God offers. So it's not like that's the only option. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, look at in, in, in the justice, there's mercy. He saves Noah. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. saves Noah and the family. You know, I mean, he it shows you living a blameless, upright, righteous life has rewards with it. I mean, it's not that God just wants to kill everybody. Yeah. But that he does have a side of justice. And I talked about well, on Sunday, God, the, the phrase he uses, God is imminent. He's near us. He cares for us. He sees, uh, I read earlier in that verse 5 of chapter 6, but in verse 6, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So he's near us. He's through us. He's in us. He understands, um, well, we have those emotions because he has them. So he has those emotions and he feels that pain and he, uh, it's not so much like regret, like man, I wish I would have never made that. But he, his heart just hurts, and and you know, also in that passage in in verse five, he saw how great man's wickedness had become. Mm-hmm. This was not something that happened overnight. He didn't just say, "Oh, I'm just going to kill everybody." There's probably it, multiple there was growth, moments of compassion. Yes, there was growth of wickedness, and and you can, like you're saying, you can ascertain, you can assume, God had given mercy and given mercy and given mercy. Uh, and it basically came to a point where God saw they're not they're not going to change. They have chosen against me. They have picked against me, except for Noah. So something has to happen. Um, and and you know, the other side of that is God is imminent, but He's also transcendent. He is away from us. We can't understand everything He does. Um, we can't f- control Him in a sense. Um, and while that may be for some people in in a certain spot in their life, it may be a little scary of like, oh, I can't. To me, I, I've kind of crossed that bridge, and it's I'm just surrendered to, that's awesome, because I don't have to make those decisions. You know, those decisions are made for me. I just have to trust in his plan. It's, it's funny you, <clears throat> you mention about people looking at this and saying that God is a God of, of wrath and anger and a serial killer. Um, in comparison, you know, I mentioned earlier the other uh, ancient narratives um, that cover Genesis one through eleven that are, that are very similar in nature, and there's every single one of these: the Akkadian, the Sumerian, the Babylonian, all these different epics and, and myths. They're they're all different from the Genesis flood narrative because none of them show mercy. Mm-hmm. None of them. They're, they're all about a cataclysmic event. It, it's about the basically in these other epics, what happens is there's a pantheon of gods. They all come together and they just destroy the earth for no reason. They don't they, yeah. they their goal is to destroy civilization and to and, and that's it. And it was by basically sheer luck that Gilgamesh or whoever it was in the hero in any of these stories would come out and, and survive and civilization would keep moving onward. That was the thing. Within Genesis though, it's explicit that 
God didn't want to destroy the earth, Mm. that humanity had brought itself to the brink that they had chosen for themselves to be destroyed, but through grace and through mercy, God allowed humanity to continue on, even though that they had essentially brought the destruction on themselves. So, in these other in these other narratives, the gods brought destruction on the humans. In this one, it, it seems that the humans have brought God's wrath on them, but instead of giving him the uh, humanity his full wrath, he shows mercy by yeah. saving humanity through Noah. And so there there is a definite mercy and grace within the flood narrative of Genesis in comparison to to any other historical account or, or myth of, of this event. And for us to say that God is a God of wrath, that God is a killer, just based off of this event is is just a very narrow and limited perspective of, mm-hmm. of the event. And people don't want to, uh, if people look at it that way, they're saying that they, they don't want to be under the impression that they are under a powerful mighty and holy God mm. they, they don't want they don't want to be under that impression that somebody is in control and, and I think a lot of people don't like people being in control because they want to be in control mm-hmm. but a, a, as Christians that's the whole base of that's the whole base of our Christianity well, that that we're not in control but God is in complete control think about how many people could have done what Noah did not just not just the walk with God part but God said Noah, Something that you don't know is going, that you have no idea about, rain, is going to happen, and everything's going to flood. You've never seen a flood, but it's going to flood. You've never heard of rain, but it's going to rain. You've never built a giant ship, but you're going to have to build a giant ship. You've never seen all these different, yeah, you've never seen all these different animals, (laughs) but all these different animals are going to come to your door. Now imagine anyone hearing those words, or these different things and and just saying okay and going with it i mean that that's insane that 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 you you don't do that but that was the type of trust that noah had in god that he took god's word as truth and and you know yeah and and the bible didn't say but i mean did god give this instruction to anybody else that's true that's a great question or you think about you're reading the measurements of the ark. The ark is huge. Yes. Mm. Uh, in Extremely fact, big. actually, have y'all been to the ark encounter yet? I haven't. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm pretty sure to. it is scaled. Yeah, they, yeah. they built it. Okay, it's like to the T as yeah, much they, okay. as close as I can. I've seen pictures of it, and that thing is ginormous. There's a uh, yeah, mean, <laughs> huge. There, there's a place back home. Um, there, if you're going into um, to Morgantown, that you have to take a. Um, an interstate to get there and there's this giant steel structure sitting on the side of the road and says Noah's Ark being built here and it's been <laughs> being built since like the 70s no or 80s <laughs> they haven't done anything to it what I think they the ran world? out of money and That's quit doing hilarious. it but it's just well, it's funny every yeah, time I but, drive by yeah, just, and I but see just it. seeing this big boat people would have Ask questions. I mean, I'm sure that you see this huge structure. Some a neighbor of Noah's would have come up and said, "Hey, why are you <laughs> building this boat?" He would have had the chance to be, no, be like, "Oh, we got all kinds of room. Come on." Hey, and can then you they scoot this off my lawn? Yeah, right. <laughs> and the property lines back here. Yeah, you can just imagine it, what was going on in that time. It's one and a half football fields long, 450 feet long. Wow, it's one and a half football fields. It is 75 feet wide. So you lay a seven-story building sideways. Wow. That's how high it is, how wide it is. And then 45 foot high. So yeah. four So, so people would have known. I mean, 
if anything, yeah, like I think about the town talk. Right? I think about this small town, like even just a small little gas station gets built. I mean, it's a talk. Hey, what's being built? What is that? Yeah, like yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. asking. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think people's changed that much. Well, like you see it in Evan Almighty. I mean, it's Evan Almighty, but like you see the <laughs> like people are like, dude, what are you doing? Like you know, like this yeah. housing development. He's just building yeah. this huge. <laughs> and they're like, I mean, they're it's he's a crazy person, right? Like so. Right. I, I mean, I think part of that. I, I think the producers, just directors, just you know, we don't see that in scripture necessarily, but you assume people would have thought this dude was insane. Have you have you ever watched the Noah movie that came out? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people that don't like it. And I think the reason a lot of Christians don't like it because they say it's not according to scripture and it's not really. It, it, they take a lot of, right. of We don't watch a lot of movies that we are uh, Yeah, hold that. The, well, that the, the reason it, you know, it well, it's, I don't watch it because it's not, you know. The the director and writer came out and said the reason it's not according to scriptures because he used all the other flood narratives from the ancient world as well and kind of merged them together. But one thing that I thought was really cool about it is when the ark hit the water in the movie, you see all the people of the earth trying to like, as soon as the water comes, they rush and try to get on the ark. One guy actually was able to sneak onto the ark and then was killed. Um, and, And it shows this picture of all these people just, Rushing getting through the killed trees and, yeah. and 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 drowning and and Noah and his family are sitting on the ark hearing the screams of mm. humanity dying. It's dark. Um, yeah, it, but it, it would have been. No, I, don't I mean it, this this was, you know, this was an event that that think think about in in the end of this narrative in chapter nine we see that Noah becomes a drunk. Um, not, he doesn't become a drunk, but he gets drunk and he has his vineyard and he. Um, just falls down and and is drunk and and I think a lot of people kind of say that as oh Noah was um, Noah was a drunk he had sin within him he messed up well, I think it is one first yeah but I think what it is you know we don't see this before the flood think about the survivors guilt yeah. that would have been on Noah. I mean, well, he was in this ark for a hundred, hundreds of days. He was in there hearing the screams of people yeah. that he lived his entire life with. I mean, golly. And, and outside of just the physical of that, there's the spiritual. Like, you can imagine it. He didn't build it in a weekend, the boat. So, like, it probably took him years. Mm. And so, throughout that process, we can we can ascertain. I've said that twice now. I should probably oh, get a bigger ascertain. vocabulary. We can assume... Noah, being righteous, blameless, upright in the Lord, was trying to tell people, right? Was mm-hmm. and 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 truly was on his heart. Like mm-hmm. people, listen, listen, listen. Like this is gonna happen. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. Repent, repent. You know, and he and so outside of the physical, these are people he grew up with. These are people he was trying to show to Christ, but because they never repented, he knows mm-hmm. what their eternity is. Yeah. And so there, I'm sure, is a. Deep physical grieving of people passed away, but a deep spiritual grieving of Noah that, you know, and maybe, I don't know if doubts or thoughts of failure would have entered his mind, but just the the, the idea that there's so many people who didn't repent that I was trying to help reach, that, that God was using me to reach, and, and we didn't, you know, in a sense, we didn't get any of them. Uh, and I think, so So one, I think you're right about the the, you know, there's some things you can't unsee. There's some things you can't unexperience, yeah. uh, and that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Um, and this is definitely one of those for just the physical nature. But then the spiritual nature has weighs so much heavier on Noah, I would imagine. And, and we see Noah, 
you know, Noah did get drunk. Yes, he was blameless and he was righteous, but he's not perfect. Mm. So, you know, that's yeah, the same. It sa- wasn't Jesus. That's the same thing for us. Like, we yeah. can live, we can live that lifestyle. We can walk with God, but none of us are Jesus Christ. No. Uh, no. Everybody has sinned, even the most Fallen blameless person God. other than Christ, you know. So, yes, Noah was blameless. Yes, he lived a great uh, life following God, but he still was a sinner. Uh, yeah. He still had that. Uh, tendency to sin so so he wasn't perfect no uh, but by any means uh, blameless he, is not perfection yeah and and i mm-hmm. um there's that like a like a, we've i've said before there's a podcast that me and some of our staff members listen to excuse me some of our staff members and i listen to <laughs> the jcc podcast uh, no <laughs> but we're going through and it's a bible study and we this is kind of where we got this idea from but we've done some different stories than they do but they're doing this children's bible stories and noah's was a couple weeks ago and one idea that i love that they said was basically do you think God, um, it's called the Bible Study Podcast. I'll give them the quote since I'm quoting them. Basically, they said, do you think God couldn't have killed all creation in 40 days? Why did the flood take that long? Well, no. I mean, he could have wiped it out with a snap of his finger. But he was giving time for Noah and his family to grieve. Mm-hmm. You think about you think about the daughters, the the daughters-in-law, the sons' wives. They, they would have had families that died. I mean, they would have. True. And so God was, in a sense, one... He was fulfilling his plan. The whole earth was going to be flooded, so that took forty days for you know to fill up and um, whatever. But but I believe, and and based on what they've said, I I think it makes a lot of sense. He was giving them time to grieve yeah. before the hard work began of restarting the world. Well, it's possible too that the number forty there isn't actually yep. literal. Uh, forty is a Hebrew number for completion, mm-hmm. so it's possible that the forty was just when it was finished. But then we see after one hundred and ten days, well, one hundred and fifty total, but. 150 days, the waters flowed the earth for 150 days. This is uh, Genesis 7, 24, and then right into Genesis chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. He sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now, again, like you're saying, Garrett, could be metaphorical, could be an imagery thing. Let's just say it's literal because we don't know. I don't think, I think that would be, okay. you know. So 150 sure. days, we know, I mean, and it says God sent a wind that receded and the, the other water. Thing Why didn't too, he do it in 60 days? Yeah. See what I'm saying? I, I think, and we, again, God's plan. We, he's transcendent. Yeah. We don't know. We, we probably never will know. But maybe, just maybe, he was giving them time to grieve, time to process. Who knows? There could have been other workings. There could have been some deep sea creatures that lived a little longer. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I like to think God uses his power, but we can see some natural proof of his power. I think I think that's what he likes to do because he created the world, so why not use the world the way he created it to fulfill his plan? And so maybe part of those days were, were truly some of those animals took longer to die, you know, because they were frogs, they were amphibians or whatever and they could yeah, kind of live a little longer. Little tweak. Yeah, I mean who know I mean who knows. Um, but I like to think a good byproduct of that in God's plan was to give Noah and his family time for themselves mentally and spiritually to kind of hit that reset button. And maybe just spend time with God. What else? I mean, there was literally that pet the animals and yeah. feed them. I mean, they had responsibilities to keep animals alive. I, I like that you brought that verse there in chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read it again. Um, it says, But God remembered Noah and the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And then it says, And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Uh, the Hebrew word that's used there is is ruah. Um, and that, spell it. Uh, resh vav hey. <laughs> that helped. <laughs> Spell all that, please. <laughs> Can you use that whiteboard for me? <laughs> um, but but that word. So Hebrew words often have they're often double entendres. They have multiple meanings. Um, 
this word means wind, but it also more specifically when referring to God is means breath or spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so for that yeah, word, because there's other words for wind that, that the writer could have used there, but for them to use that specific word ruah in order to talk about wind is also saying that God breathed his spirit back onto the earth, mm. that, that it was mm-hmm. him coming back and, and saying, okay, now's the restart. I'm back here again. We're doing this over. Mm. And he remembered Noah and he brought his spirit back into the world that Noah was about to, to restart. I, that's a, I think that's a really important piece of Genesis that we have to remember, that God, God's spirit didn't leave. God specifically brings his spirit onto the, the world so that Noah has that spirit as he goes mm. forward in life. Some I've learned from predominantly these Old Testament narratives. Uh, we, we see it in the New Testament as well, but they're just a little different is we always try to say, who are we in the story? We always try to look at the story. Who are we? Let's try to put ourselves in it. What can I learn about this story specifically? Often these stories aren't supposed to relate to us in that regard. They're not supposed to say, here's how you fit in the story. Often it's just supposed to show us the nature of God. Yeah. It's just oh, to yeah. show us true inklings of who he is. And we get so, if we if we stop reading, I'm trying to say this without it sounding like heretical, but... If we just if we stop reading the story and trying to see what can I take from this yeah. and apply to my life, if we just try to read it just to understand more of who God is, mm-hmm. you're going to get so much more truth from these stories and from these narratives. Um, and honestly, it's going to impact who you are as a believer in God well, because it's going to change your view of God and go into a deeper understanding. And so when you read these, try to shift your perspective and and you know talk to God beforehand and afterhand, and instead of saying. Show me what I can apply to my life. <clears throat> Say, reveal to me, God, more of who you are in this story. Yeah. Because that's that's why we have these accounts. Well, we can't relate to Noah in what primeval history, as Garrett called it. <laughs> I mean, we, the world's so different. But we can relate to the nature of God, because God is never changing. He is the same as he was, he is, and he always will be. Yeah. I, I think that's why it's so easy for us to find ourselves reading solely the New Testament because the application yeah, so of our life and and the revelation of Jesus, because Jesus is the manifestation of God, those two things go hand in hand. We understand God better through trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. And so right. the, it's easier to he read the God. New Testament. In yeah. order for us to understand God and, and learn more about God from the Old Testament, we really have to dig in and mm. not be concerned about ourselves, but be concerned about knowing him more deeply. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw a, a quote from, I've been reading this book called Brothers We Are Not Professionals. I'd encourage both of you all to read it. It's really good. It's by John Piper. Um, I'll read Piper. It's really good. Um, I've but, heard of him. But, <laughs> but there's this, um, he's talking to, to pastors and preachers and lay leaders and, and people in, in the church, and he says, we have to remember that the Bible is not a story about us. It's a, it, it, yes. it's about God's Preach. glory. Yes. And so every aspect of scripture mm. is about is about revealing the glory of God. And for us to insert ourselves into that and say, you know, even for us to say, you know, God loves us so much that he sent his son for us, and that's for our sake. N- no, God sent his son for us for his glory's sake, so that by 
us being saved, his glory can be revealed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, he loves us, yeah. but he loves us out of his glory. Yeah. And so every aspect of scripture is about revealing God's glory and God's magnificence yeah. to us. Yeah. And for us to insert ourselves into that all the time right. is, is frankly self-centered. Yeah. And we can learn. And to, wrong, yeah, by the yeah. way. And not only self-centered, you're right. Just wrong. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we can learn stuff from the Bible that, that we can learn from the life of Noah. We can learn yes, from yes. Thing, th- things like that. But as we're saying, yeah. that, that everything in Scripture points to God. Uh, even everything, especially like everything in the Old Testament, you think, where's Jesus in the Old Testament? Where's everything in the Old oh, Testament? So, have you ever seen the picture Jesus. of all the, the, um, the, the, the picture of of all the different cross references in the Bible, oh, it's incredible. I haven't, I haven't seen the picture. It all points. It but literally every to. single narrative points yeah. to Jesus. And even like, so let's look at the story of Noah. All right, so so where would where, where would Jesus be in the story of Noah? Uh, we're looking at that. There he is. Weakness. He's in the breath. Uh, he's I mean, in the he's breath. in the ruach. Yeah, and I believe this. Jesus is the example of the he's, ark. He, it's uh, yeah, yeah. He's because the carrier of God. Yeah. God, God sent an ark. To You're save, so smart, no, dude. I ain't smart. I, somebody taught me that. <laughs> but but thinking, of, you know, it's the same thing Shout that thousands of years later we see Jesus, who died on a piece of wood, but um, uh-huh. died on a piece of wood Even to save us from our sins. Same way the ark, it was to save yeah. Noah um, from. I wonder if the wood was the same because he gives Noah was specific the, instructions. Was the cross go for wood? It? Or is it gopher wood? Gopher, gopher wood, wood would have been right. gone by then, probably. Yeah. Well, anyway, that would have been, that been so, so God to do that. Um, yeah, gopher wood is extremely hard <laughs> well, wood. It would have not. It wouldn't have been possible for them to carry it down to carry it the hill and up to Golgotha. Yeah. Hey, Jesus could have done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, Garrett, don't limit him. Uh, but you know, you think about like you said, Garrett. Something you said reminded me. It probably doesn't correlate at all, but it reminded me that. We we look at God. We look at the nature of God, and and often as believers, uh, like Christian said, you know, we we can look into the story and say, oh, God had mercy on Noah; he'll have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. That's not really the intent of the story, but it's true because God's God's nature never changes. So it is true; he would have mercy on Noah; he would have mercy on us. So you can learn and adapt it to your life, but it's more so to know the nature of God. But we can see, um, you know, in this story, I think is a great example of we we often as believers kind of. We, we take, just based on our personalities, we take characteristics of God and we just kind of hold on to those and we kind of put in the back of our mind the other ones. You know, for me, I tend to focus more on God's uh, love and his mercy and sometimes the uh, justice, um, those, you know, the what people may call the more harsh characteristics kind of fall to the back. I and think I it's kinda, most people, yeah. They I kind of forget about, about those. But here's the beauty of that. In order to have mercy... We have to have justice. There is no mercy without justice because if it's yeah. only mercy, then that's mm-hmm. just who God is, you and there is no justice. You wouldn't know mercy if yes, you didn't Yes, you wouldn't know it's mercy. That would just be normal. reason for it. So if, we, if you're like me and you kind of, <clears throat> man, I love, I love the love of God, I love mercy, but like, you know, the, the destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, wiping the face, it's like, eh, yeah. can I forget about those? But, but if we don't have those, we don't know what mercy is. And I think, you know, Scripture reveals to us all the characteristics of God— but it is incapable of merging all those characteristics yep. into our mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we need to remember for Scripture is it, it points to what we're going to finally be able to witness at the completion and mm-hmm. of his kingdom. Because yeah. then all of those characteristics become one. Yeah. Because we'll finally have the capability of understanding all those characteristics simultaneously. Yeah. And so it really gives us hope. 
Yeah, and 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 with the story of Noah, so I almost said Moses. I almost always switch them. Like I know <laughs> their stories are different. Moses was like parted the water. He didn't need a boat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. their names to me. Like I almost always interchange them. But anyway, I didn't, and I still told them myself. But Noah, that you see, like I was saying earlier, alluded to God's imminence, his personal connection to Noah and his family, and really, I think you see God's imminence with the people. I think even the people that he wiped the. It wasn't a, and God woke up one morning and decided to wipe the world. It was, there was this progression of evil that continued to take place. And you see this before the account of Noah. And it's it's a continuous evil that is taking place. And, and God said that, you know, this, the Bible says this, this evil was growing and growing and growing. And basically God had to do something about it. So the mercy, like, like Christian said earlier, we don't see a specific, and God had mercy, and God had mercy, and God, like we do in Judges. We just simply see... There was a long time before God produced His justice because He was giving so many opportunities. And there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of mercy in that because even yeah. just one sin, yes. is deserving of death. Absolutely. So I mean, and we look at sin like, oh, like, like for example, like Adam and Eve, like, oh, they just ate fruit, you know, like, yes. how how is that bad? That's not the essence of no. sin. The essence of them eating of that fruit was them rejecting God. Yes. So so when you sin, you're rejecting what God. An all-knowing, all-powerful God has for you, and saying, "I know it's best." And it's interesting because the first sin is the same sin that plagues us today. It's yes. selfishness, it is, self-centeredness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We become Based on our desire. own gods in our minds, yep. and and throw God to the side. And for and and I think I don't think I I know that is why in the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments have to do with don't have any other gods mm-hmm. before me, don't build for almost, yourself idols. They're yeah. almost redundant. I mean, I yeah. know they're different, but they're almost but it's God's, the same. it's God yeah. saying, listen, don't have any gods before me. R- no, really listen. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. build any other no, gods. Don't yeah. worship other gods and don't make earthly idols. Yeah. And I, what I love about the Bible, I was going to say this earlier, and you bringing this up correlates so much better, is it is so timeless. I mean, you look at that. Oh, yeah. The, have no other gods before me, have no idols. What are idols? Anything, idols are just anything that take the place of God. Yeah. We have so many idols in our world today. That oh, yeah. The second commandment that Moses presented to the people still applies yeah. wholeheartedly. I mean, all of them. You might not have a wooden statue yes, in your house. but You might not have a brown you know, snake have. or a golden calf, but you have a cell phone. Yeah. You got a TV that, if we're not careful, can easily become idols. Exactly. We have more pocket idols yes. than any, anyone. We have more access to idols. Yeah, and it's, and it's crazy when you look at, I just, I have a hard time for myself, understanding what, how I could have ever not lived, attempted, or tried to live in the glory of God. It's just, you look at Scripture, and it is so timeless. It relates, you know, I was saying, you look at the Old Testament. We can't really relate to the Old Testament physically, because, mm-hmm. like, we're so different. And so that's what you brought in the New Testament. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can relate better. But, like, that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah. You know, oh, like, yeah. that was still yeah, 2,000 years yesterday. ago. But, but it, the reason we relate to it is because Christ did right, his job. Right, Christ, exactly. You know, his whole, the whole idea was... God looked at the state of humanity, the state of the Old Testament, basically, and said, they just don't get me. Yeah. They've got to understand me. And so he became us yep. so that we could understand him more Absolutely. innately. So let's put a bow on it. Christian, what's our hum moment? Oh, yeah. I didn't uh, give let's our do hum. a hum. Let's put the bow on it, and then we'll All right, here, here's, so, here's so, a good bow for us. Perfect. Go for it. I love it. All right, in Hebrews 11. Ah, heroes uh, of the faith. The hall of faith. <laughs> the hall of faith. We talked about it a little bit with Samson last week. Uh, but I just want to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, uh, and just kind of summing up uh, the story of Noah. Uh, it says, By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not mm. yet seen, mm. in holy fear, 
built an ark to save his family. I love and that just phrase, looking at the faith fear. there, uh, he had this holy yeah this just mm. this fear that he was understood yeah. the wrath of God wrapped up in the mercy what version is of that? God. NIV. Huh. I use ESV, but I, use I don't know if I've here. ever heard. That I use CSB, but I uh, well, we won't get into. Either. I was just curious if that was. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard "holy fear." I thought he was going to say I use like quite a new bit King James version or something. <laughs> I use NIV a lot, and and that's true, you know. And, and that's if you want to say, what can I learn from this? Have holy fear, right? Yeah, because in faith, he talked about faith is the things yeah, not seen. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't see what was coming. He didn't no. know a flood was like. He, he didn't know the like. To, to be honest, he really didn't know how this would affect them. Like, yes, God said it, but he like, can you even grasp that no, in your mind? If God I, told you something that big, I uh, can't imagine what, what it would look like now for the, you know, yeah. I just can't even process even having the historical account. Yeah. Oh, Another yeah. thing is, is the rainbow. Um, we haven't really talked about that. Oh, putting a bow on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> we put a rainbow on this. Um, and, and truly the promise that God gives that shows his imminence. That yeah. shows his, his, his love for us, his personal, connection to us and saying don't fear i'm never going to do this again mm-hmm. like this at least with water uh yeah so yeah like in this same nature um so don't fear about that specifically and it's almost god showing you know it seems like god often when he shows his wrath relents and shows extra mercy because he's like hey i'm still i'm still a loving god like i still love yeah. you but don't forget about my you know, don't yeah. forget about the other side so i have holy fear I like Noah had. I like that phrase. I'm gonna use that more. Holy fear. Holy fear. Holy fear. Understanding Holy the wrath. <laughs> so, so listen to this. So I was looking up some some stuff last night. In order for the let's let's say Garrett we brought it up earlier that some people believe the flood may have been regional, whatever. Let's just say it was global. I like to think it was global because God's big. So it's about to get crazy. That means for the water to have flooded the earth, that means there had to be. 813,875,076 cubit miles of rain for the biblical flood to have happened. I mean, you think about, and cubit miles are miles up, down, and left, right. right. Like a cubit, like, oh, that's a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, to put that in perspective, the oceans, I guess this is as we know it, because I think we haven't explored all of it, but I think we can ascertain. Oceans have about 321 million cubic miles of water. All the water on the earth only adds up to about 332,500,000 cubic miles. So for the biblical flood to have happened, the water on earth had to miraculously multiply by about 250%. Huh. Hmm. huh. huh. See, I, uh, That's I a lot of water. That is a lot of water. I, per- I don't think it was a global flood. I think it, the whole purpose of the flood was to wipe out civilizations, mm-hmm. to wipe out humanity. Um, so, so it makes you wonder, you know, it would have only had to flood where humanity was. Humanity hadn't spread out probably at that point yet. We actually, we don't really fully know that, but, um, now if that's the case, yeah. did Antarctica flood? Did, yeah. Now did a, you know, different continents that didn't have civilization yeah. flood. There's still know. a lot of humanity. I was reading like, it'd been 1600 years since humans had habitated the earth that just kind of yeah. Estimated. If you just do, if you do new earth yeah. creation, if yeah. you do new earth creation, that so at that time there's still there probably could have been millions and millions mm-hmm. of people. So I mean, are they all going to be clumped together? I don't know how much because yeah. they don't have cars and planes. Well, that's the thing. And, they would have well, and see we see from Babel that they only had one language 
at the time of Babel, but it's possible too. I, I said earlier that they would have only had language at one language at the time of Noah, but Noah was a restart, so right, it went all back exactly. to one language. So, so it is possible that before Noah they had multiple languages and were spread out. So it, that's the thing we just don't know. Yeah. Um, that's, Either way, that's, we do know yeah. God did it. Yeah. And we see the power of God, yeah. no matter if it was a global or regional flood. Um, hey, here's another thing, kind of thinking about that. I was reading this. All air breathing and land animals were killed. All. So, and it says that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 21, everything on earth, and in chapter 6, 17, all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So, if every creature is wiped out, uh, and, and of course, at this time, Pangea could have been. Yeah. Thing too, I, I don't. I yeah, don't, it's possible that yeah. the way the sh- the one, plates one. shifted, that's what caused. Yeah, you know, so everything to if shift. all was spread out, or or if all the animals were killed, that means wherever there was animals, there had to be water. Mm, um, it's true. Even at the if there's a lot a of water, animal on the end of the earth, you know. Yeah. So, so question. Just remember, question. Huh? Hey, also, this is so. If there's only this is probably way too scientific for us. If there was only, we're gonna have to stop. How, how many? Cubic miles were there three something million in the water? Yeah, three hundred thirty-two okay. million or something like that. How many cu- cubic miles of water are there in the clouds at all times? Can they calculate that? I have no clue. Like, That's does that make question. sense? Because if it's started, always a, if, if there's always a, <laughs> like if there's always a water yeah. cycle, Google there could be so much on Earth, but there's always clouds in the sky. Mm. That's a great I, that would be difficult to, yeah. to quantify. I don't know how you probably, even... I'm sure they they can. Give yeah. an estimated number, but that but estimate it, I'm sure can't be too yeah, accurate. Yeah, because that's yeah. all dependent. I feel like it would match it, and it's all changing. Yeah, yeah, that's all dependent on you know evaporation and and how hot the sun's getting from from yeah. flares and stuff like that causing the evaporation. But do you think so. do we always do we ever lose water, or is Earth always in the same cycle? Like, does water ever just disappear, or is it always in the cycle of from evaporation to the cloud to the Earth? We had like four. Well, we're actually in this one. we're we're gaining water right now because. Um, some of the glaciers in Antarctica are melting, and it's causing right. the sea levels to rise. Right, but that's like still like I'm I'm considering even ice as water, like everything on Earth. Yeah, like I feel like Sickle. water never leaves the atmosphere. Yeah, um, I don't know. We've really gone well, off on a tangent. Here. Just just remember to have holy fear. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have faith. Have remember the, God the, is in control. Remember the wrath of God wrapped up in the mercy of God. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. good. Absolutely, absolutely. Jesus is our salvation. He's yeah. our ark. He's for our, sure. Saving hope. Yeah. Garrett, you want to pray us out? Yeah, sure. Father God, thank you for the time that we get to spend together knowing you more deeply, studying your word, and even aspects of your word that we just, you know, frankly can't fully understand or know. And then I'm so excited to one day arrive in your kingdom where we can know you more fully, that we can witness your glory and its, and its splendor, and we can uh, be with you for all of eternity. Thank you for all that have listened. I pray that they've been moved and impacted by our words and by our study this this morning. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.